Our reading today is from Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 to 46. Matthew 13, verses 44 to 46. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all that he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning, St. Aldates. And uh, if you have a Bible, please do keep them open at Matthew chapter 13. Forty years ago, I was doing the maths this week, rather frightening to think it was that long ago, I used to love, as a young man, watching the game show Treasure Hunt. Anyone else remember that? I mean, they brought it out again recently. Uh, And it was unforgettable to me as a young man, in particular, the wonderful Annika Rice in her lemon jumpsuit, jumping in and out of a helicopter, and the thrill of watching and following the contestants following after clues in search of treasure. And people love a treasure hunt. If you walk around Oxford, you often see whole groups having their day out, uh, businesses, companies, teams, coming here to work together on a treasure hunt. And I read a little while ago that Americans and Canadians and Australians are coming here on holiday in order to find treasure. And uh, some of them are paying up to 1,500 pounds just to hire equipment to walk around a muddy field in Norfolk, which apparently is where more treasure is found in that county than any other county in England in order to find some old coin worth about tuppence halfpenny. (laughs) This week, in the news, I read of a Norwegian metal detectorist discovering a hoard of 1,500-year-old Norse gold jewelry. And uh, it described it as the find of the century. The find of the century. Only, actually, it isn't the find of the century. The find of the century that's being found every day is the find of eternity. And that is to find the treasure of the king and his kingdom. And here at St. Aldate's, we're all about celebrating and directing people to the treasure of the kingdom. I want to draw out three thoughts from our reading this morning. Firstly, Jesus' kingdom is a treasure to be discovered. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. Now banks are relatively modern. Apparently the first deposit bank was in Genoa, Italy in 1407. The ancients kept their wealth near them. They kept it in gold that was portable and uh, at times during war or threat or when there were marauders, people would bury their treasure. And then sometimes dire circumstances meant that they could never get back to what they had buried 
And centuries later, a farmer or a builder or a metal detectorist would come and dig it up and eureka. People have dreamed about finding treasure. They created myths and narratives around it. The Egyptians had the sphinxes that guarded the Pharaoh's treasure. And the Greeks and the Romans had griffins that they believed guarded great treasures. The Irish have leprechauns guarding pots of gold at the end of a rainbow. And the Chinese have dragons guarding treasure. In fact, the greatest treasure that the Chinese dragons guard is a giant pearl. I like the fact Jesus describes the kingdom as this great pearl. But Jesus picks up on this fascination, this cultural fascination with finding treasure. And he says that receiving God's kingdom, receiving the kingdom of heaven, receiving the king of heaven is like finding this great treasure. And it's not something that's guarded by dragons or demons. It's something that God has put there for the finding. It's there for the finding and it's there for the taking. God wants us to find this treasure. We all know that in a good treasure map, X marks the spot. And you'll know, of course, that X is the symbol in Greek for Christ and of the cross. And it's Christ and the cross where we find this treasure of heaven given to us through him. The Anglo-Saxons addressed God in a prayer. They called God the high treasure keeper. The high treasure keeper. But God isn't simply the, the one who keeps the treasure. He's the one who gives the treasure. Prophet Isaiah said, I will give you treasures hidden in the darkness. He's a God who wants us to locate, to find, to dig up, to receive, to own, and to enjoy forever this treasure. One of the most significant treasure finds in recent years was in Pembrokeshire. And uh, a chap found an Iron Age chariot from AD 25 and all sorts of wonderful things accompanying it. It was buried with some noblemen. The, the Welsh National Museum bought it for a million. And this chap, he was called Mike Smith, he said this, I still can't believe it. Obviously, I've read other people's finds and I've watched them on TV and I've always thought I wouldn't mind finding that. It's still surreal, he says, and it's life-changing. It's life-changing. Changed his life temporarily for a few years and maybe for a few people around him. But the treasure that God gives us changes our life. It changes the lives of those around us. And it's not a temporary transformation. It's not just for the length of our lives, but it carries us into forever with God. Truly, this treasure, this kingdom of heaven is life-changing. And what is this treasure? 
Well, it's God himself. It's the king and his kingdom, his rule and his realm that we share in. It's the forgiveness of sins. It's freedom from sin. Freedom from the presence of it and the power of it in our life and the penalty of it. It's fullness of life. It's eternal life. And it begins now and goes into forever. And every week people are discovering it. Every week people are discovering it here at St. Aldate's. Every week people are participating in Alpha courses and discovering this treasure. And maybe you heard about this treasure of the king and the kingdom. Maybe you've been brought here by a friend who's been talking to you about it. Maybe you've heard about these things but, and looked on from afar. Well, today Jesus wants you to know and to receive and to take hold of and to enjoy for yourself this treasure of the king and his kingdom. But where there's treasure, there's always pirates. And the pirates want to steal the treasure. They want to keep it from you and to keep it for themselves. God wants you to find it. The pirates don't want you to find it. They want to steal it and conceal it and to keep you from revealing it. And there is a question for us today. What treasure has God given you that somehow you've allowed to be reburied? What lies have been told to you to make you believe that actually there may be treasure for someone else but there's nothing for you and that God is holding out on you? What fear has been sown into your life that if you go all in for this treasure, that actually, a bit like in the Pirates of the Caribbean and Cortez's gold, that somehow this treasure is cursed and it'll bring trouble on you. What false places have you been looking for this treasure to satisfy, but instead it's just turned up fool's gold? The kingdom of heaven is like treasure and God wants you to find it. Secondly, Jesus' kingdom is a pleasure to be enjoyed. Jesus goes on in verse 44 and he says, when the man found, the Greek word there by the way is eureka. This is a eureka moment. He says he covered it up, he didn't want anyone else to have it, and in his joy went off, flogged everything he had, came back to buy the field to get the treasure. In his joy. C.S. Lewis said joy is the serious business of the kingdom of heaven. Joy is the authentic sign of the kingdom. Joy is the number one emotion of the kingdom of heaven. Joy is the fruit of the presence of the spirit in our life that comes to us through this treasure. Joy is the mark of those who discover Jesus and know what it is to be forgiven of their sin, to be set free and to be offered an eternity with him. 
We see joy all over the place whenever Jesus is around. When he was first conceived in Mary's womb, she celebrated, she said her soul just overflowed with joy. When the angels announced the birth of Jesus, they said joy to the world. Joy has come. When the wise men, I know it's only September, uh, but we're warming up for Christmas here. (laughs) When the wise men, why save the good bits just for then? When the wise men met Jesus, it says they were filled with exceeding great joy. It's like Mr. Kipling's cake advert, exceeding great joy. The, the writer was just piling on the words, like piling on the cream on a cake or something. It's just more joy. Joy is the serious business of heaven. Whenever Jesus went, those who didn't want to know him, they went away bitter and miserable, but those who said yes to him went away joyful. This week I've been watching a TV series called Alone. Anyone seen that? Channel 4 or something like that. Well, they drop these people in the middle of a Canadian wilderness. There were 11 Brits dropped, and they've got to survive. And the winner gets paid a fortune, the one who stays there the longest. And they've got to survive, you know, wild animals and bears sniffing around. And they create their shelters, and they make their fire. And, um, you know, you follow them in their sort of quest to try and shoot and eat a squirrel and things like that. And basically, they're slowly dying and starving and their belts are getting tighter and tighter. It's fascinating watching while you're sat there eating supper. And one guy caught a fish, caught this giant pike and he turned, because they're all filming themselves, uh, he turned the camera on himself. He says, look at this face. This is pure joy as he's holding this slippery uh, fish. This is pure joy. And actually a fish to a starving man is a thing of joy. But heaven for us, an eternity with God, forgiveness of all the wrong that we've done, the removal of our shame, peace and hope and fulfillment and knowing that we're loved and stepping into the purpose of our life, coming home to be with God. This is what joy looks like. Sometimes I think people come into our church and they look around and they think, why are people crying? Why are people laughing? Why are they dancing? Why why is their hand in the air? What's all this giddiness about? What are they being whipped up for? No, it's about Joy, it's about the celebration of the one who has given us the treasure of heaven. You see, we're made to enjoy God's joy and many spend their lives looking for it in all the wrong places and they grasp at it and it lasts just a moment before withering. Victor in Siberia under his garage that measured 15 foot by 10 foot, dug down and pulled out what was underneath it and he dug, dug out a five-story apartment under his garage. He worked at night, he worked on his days off, 
He worked at weekends. He worked his holidays. He had a single light bulb. Him and his spade and his bucket in the damp and the cold, going through the permafrost, hammering through it, digging out the rubble, carrying it up with a bucket, tipping it outside, building himself this apartment down, down, down under the garage. Dig, dig, dig. And then putting in girders and concrete. And one day his grandson, again I watched this online, his grandson said, how long have you been building this garage, under this garage? And Victor said, I don't remember, all my life I guess. I don't know why I've been digging. I put a lot of money and energy into it. I've put everything into it. He said, I'm now 73. I started this project when I was 27, 46 years. And we can figure out what we're gonna do with it later. Only he quickly got dementia and then he died. What a tragic thing. Like a long Russian winter novel that just went on and on. <laughs> digging, 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 digging for something. And he never found it. And we can spend all our lives digging and digging to find this something that we know must be there, that we know we're made for, that we know we're missing out on. But there it is in the field and the Lord has placed it there for us to see it's Jesus. This year someone came to faith here at St. Aldate's because they discovered the treasure of the kingdom. They discovered the treasure of knowing Jesus. It was a remarkable woman. She's gone back to America now. She's an academic. She's a philosopher. She's a, a, a very successful published author. And she'd written two books on happiness. She was the professor of happiness. Only she wasn't happy. And despite having what she thought she wanted, the money and success and people fawning over her, she found what she was looking for when she met Jesus here, when she met and received the kingdom of heaven. And you should have seen her dance. You should have seen her worship with abandon, the prof, the philosopher, the expert in happiness. Finally, she found it, the treasure in a field. The psalmist says, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy and at your right hand pleasure forevermore. That's what's on offer. And then lastly and briefly, there is a treasure. The treasure brings pleasure. But lastly, Jesus says, the king, in the kingdom there is a measure to be paid. He goes on and says, in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and he goes and buys that field and he was up for it. He was only too happy to give all that he had to give what he could never afford. The Greek actually emphasizes the, the selling. There's an extra word in the Greek that doesn't often come through in the translations. The Greek is actually pantahosa which sounds a little bit like a Mexican tapas bar. But literally, 
He sells all, Panta, as much as he had. The finder of the field with the treasure has got a choice to make. He or she can continue with the life that they live in, with what they've got, and they can forget, and they can forfeit, and they can move on from this treasure. Many do, they have a look and think, no thanks. Or they can go all in, in order to gain it. The kingdom of heaven is free, but cannot be had on the cheap. The treasure is theirs for the taking, but it'll take all of us. And there can be no holding back, just in case. It's all or nothing. As Stephen said last week, we gotta go all in. The man cannot have the treasure if he holds back. Everything that represented his former life has to be put aside in order to receive what God has got for him. Withholding nothing. There are many people ready to give up everything to gain something better. In the year 2000, a chap called John Freyer set up a website called All My Life For Sale. And he sold off everything he possessed. There were 600 things he sold off. And then he wrote a book about all that he sold and who bought it. There were personal photographs. There was his degree dissertation. There was a set of false teeth. And there was a bag of pork scratchings. And all his kit, he sold off everything. Why? He just wanted a new start. And he was prepared to go all in. Jesus doesn't want your pork scratchings. And he doesn't want your false teeth. But he does want you. And he does want your heart. And if you would have the kingdom of God, then the king of the kingdom must have you. And you don't get to haggle over the cost of the field. You don't get to negotiate terms. It's all of you for all of him. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart is. Where is your treasure? Where is your heart? And so often in life we get abstracted and distracted from the main thing and sideline and go off into a silo after something that never satisfies. C.S. Lewis said, in love he claims all. You know, often it's our money that gets in the way. It is with me. Our heart is as it were, taken away from God by stuff. And Jesus says you cannot serve God and money. In fact, Jesus repeatedly showed that money was the number one moral issue and the test of our heart. He went all in. I confess my heart has often struggled being all in in this one area. I fancy the joy, but I don't fancy flogging everything. Can't I just have some of the joy and keep some stuff back? I wanted to keep a bit back for insurance and indulgence and independence. Keith Green, the famous songwriter, once said, God, I won't meddle in your business. Please don't meddle with my money. And we can feel like that sometimes. And when it comes to money, many of us have a, a bit of golem in us, don't we? It's mine, my own, and my precious. 
We can feel like that. And we withhold and we hold on. But when we hold on and withhold, we're not able to hold and receive what God has for us. And I've found that, and I keep having to relearn, that the only way to be free is to give it away. To give until it hurts and then to keep giving until it stops hurting. (coughs) To give in order to make room for Jesus and to give because I don't want to be owned by what I own and to give away to make room for what he wants to give to me and to give so that the poor can be blessed and to give so that the kingdom can be offered to others and to give that others can hear about Jesus's forgiveness and freedom and fulfillment and to give because I want to love Jesus who's given so much to me. The man in the parable understood this. He was going to give it all away. That hadn't satisfied anyway in order to get this thing. And we want to be a community who give in order to receive, in order to give. John Legend wrote a beautiful song And I think Jesus sings similar words over us. He said, the song goes, all of me loves all of you. Give your all to me and I'll give my all to you. And Jesus says, all of me loves all of you. And I've actually given all of me to you. So give me all of you and make room for what I've got. And let me finish with this. There is a treasure, there is a pleasure, and then there's a measure. Here's the thing, why? Why ever would God share God, himself and his kingdom and his rule and his reign and his eternity and his glory with us? Why? Well, because in his eyes, we are his treasure. In his heart, we are there for his pleasure. And when we look at Jesus going to the cross, we see the measure that he was willing to pay to have us in his life. Amen.